It's a bit of an unusual Sunday in terms of our passage this morning. Uh, as, as many of you know, we're in the middle of the study of the book of Philippians. We've been there this fall. Uh, last week, we finished chapter 2 of Philippians, and there are four chapters in Philippians, so we are at the halfway point. So this morning, in light of a lot of things that have been going on at TCPC over the past week, I decided that we would pick back up with Philippians after the first of the year. Uh, Next Sunday, Luke is going to preach for us, and it's a message I'm really looking forward to. He's going to connect the feasting that we'll experience this week with Thanksgiving to the feasting that we have at the table, and he'll be preaching about the Lord's Supper. Uh, Then we will begin our Advent series. That'll get us through December, and then after the first of the year, we will pick back up in Philippians. But for today, recognizing the reality of a fallen world, which includes that of diseases and disappointments and all that comes with it, I want us to remember the beauty of God's grace to us in the simple and the profound honor of belonging to him here inside his body, the church. Isn't it good to be here today? My prayer for us this morning is that we would see afresh the joy which is ours in belonging to the family of God this place in which we share together as Christ, as our leader. So if you'll keep your Bibles open, look at Psalm 84. We'll be going through this. This is a well-known, a well-loved passage. You can see from the very beginning at the title that this is a psalm of, quote, the sons of Korah. And you need to know the sons of Korah in that day were the Old Testament temple servants, and they were musicians, So really this morning, we should be singing this psalm together. I promise I will not be singing this psalm to you. I will attempt to preach it, uh, but on a different day, maybe we'll sing it together. So understanding that our joy comes from people who sing and people who embrace the Lord. Let's see this in three parts this morning. I want us to see our place of joy, God's pathway of joy, And the power which is ours to provide joy. The place of joy, the pathway of joy, the power of joy. And truly, wherever you are coming from this morning, whatever is going on in your life or going on in your heart, may we be reminded of the beauty of belonging to him today. All right, first, let's consider this place of joy, this place of worship. Look back at verses 1 through 4 and see this, how lovely it is to be in your dwelling place. We see here that the psalmist is in a state of desperation. He's longing for something. He is hoping for something. His soul longs, even faints for something. What is it in which he was desirous? Do you see it? It's clear he wanted to be in the dwelling place of God. Now, in the psalmist's day, many years ago, the dwelling place of God would have been either the tabernacle that we see in the book of Exodus or in Numbers, which moved around, or later in Israel's history, and probably in this psalm was written, it would have been the temple, which King Solomon completed. In either place, though, it was the physical location on earth where God spiritually met with his people. Let me say that again. It was the physical location where God spiritually met with his people. It was the place of God's presence on earth where he chose to allow us to enter into his holiness and to receive his grace and to uh, participate in his courts. Now in our day, in light of the fact that Jesus became our tabernacle for us, 
This physical place of worship is found inside of local churches all over the face of the earth. We don't have to go to Jerusalem for that. No, rather, he gave us his body, the church. It's here. It's everywhere. His dwelling place for his people now. The psalmist refers to what happens inside this dwelling place as these courts of the Lord. And I see this as the prescribed elements of worship. Those things which we've been doing already this morning. The singing, the confessing, the hearing of God's word, the praying, the repenting, the receiving of communion, baptism. But certainly singing with joy. Singing with joy with all the other people who have come in desperate need of hungering and thirsting for the presence of God. Church, I hope you'll see this morning how simple this is. This is not hard to understand. Don't make this more complicated than what it is. This man, under the inspiration of God through the Holy Spirit, was desperate to be in the house of God. So this, of course, raises a profound question for us this morning. And that is, how much do you want to be here? Now, I know I'm preaching to the choir as you are actually here. The choir is already gone. You are the choir in this case. I know for some of you, you probably think, I should be here. For some of our children, I know your parents make you be here. I remember those days. Some of us desire to be here for all kind of reasons. But I think the real question that must be asked this morning is, what is it your heart truly longing for? What is it that you are desperate of the Lord? What is it that you really want? What are your deepest desires today? And may I suggest, are they not in some way a passion for supernatural love and supernatural joy which provide purpose for your life? And if that is true, then hear again Jesus' words, that he is the one who came that you might have life and have it abundantly. That is why we are here. This longing is exactly what the Lord wants to give to us. Look back at verse 3 and notice this illustration that the psalmist gives to us. I love this. He mentions of all things here, two different types of birds who live inside of this dwelling place. It's so weird. It seems and scholars believe that most likely what happened, the psalmist here, as he was coming into either the tabernacle or the temple, he looked up and he noticed that birds had built their nest there either outside or inside the temple. And the psalmist's point was simply this. The birds had figured out the secret of life. They knew this is the place to find your dwelling. That this is the place where God dwells with his creation. This is the place to stay because God is here. One commentator, James Boyce, gives this great, uh, I think, insight into this situation about these two birds. And I think this is a, a beautiful picture for us. He says that a sparrow is a very common bird. It's really kind of insignificant. And that the swallow is a bird that is consistently restless. That's not a bad picture of us, isn't it? That there are times that we feel so insignificant. There are times that we feel so restless. So what do people like us do? We come here and we build our nest and we stay. We long to come to the place where we find our rest. And Jesus says, come to me and I will give you that rest. You see, this is why we long for church. 
This is why we long to gather to come even inside of this imperfect family of God, to build our lives here, to do the things that we have been doing already this morning, because it's here that Jesus is. So let the restless come. Let the insignificant come. Come and meet with your Savior. Have you ever noticed about a bird's nest? They are not afraid to build those things anywhere. Maybe even inside of your home, maybe on your porch or on your deck where you don't want them. But once they're there, they act like they own the place. There's a picture there, I think, for us. This is where we live. My study this week, I came across an article found inside Christianity Today a few years ago. It was even before COVID and talking about the trend of Americans who are leaving the church. Of course, the trend is happening even more on the other side of COVID. And the reason stated is simply that people like God, but don't tend to like the institutions of God. That is, people don't like coming because of, quote, the imperfect people or the imperfect systems. And of course, we understand and get all of that. It's essentially, we don't like the courts of the Lord. We just like the idea of God. But the article mentioned that the trend simply is, I love Jesus, I just don't love his church. We've all heard that, and yet we have seen in this psalm that that is just not consistent with the truth. The body of Christ is the church. So if we love him, this is where we find him. Inside of this body, we see the supernatural reality of Christ. We often talk about our happy places. I suspect you probably have one. I know I have several. Either a vacation spot or a place with a view or a beautiful walk or whatever the case may be where you like to go and it is your, quote, happy place. I pray this morning we all will let verse 4 seep into our hearts. Blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praise. First know this morning that joy is found in the place where God meets us. He wants us to be here and it is good to be here. So that's the place of joy. Now secondly consider the pathway to joy. Look at verses 5 through 7 and and this is challenging. It is good but it does come with a twist. We see a picture here of the journey we face on our travels to this beautiful dwelling place. Verse 5, the original audience, these words for those people who lived outside of Jerusalem. So for them, they would have been invited to come to the dwelling place of the temple, but they would have had to travel to get to Jerusalem. Whatever the feast may have been, they would have had to walk to get here. We remember in the life of Jesus, we saw him as a young boy where he was traveling to a feast like this to Jerusalem when he was with his mother and father. Here in verse 5 says that there is a highway to Zion. Thus there is a journey for them to get to Jerusalem. But what about for us today? Christians who believe, Christians who are here at church, Christians who really do desire this dwelling place, what about us? And you see that we have a home as well. Yes, in the church. But as we all know, TCPC is not our final destination. Correct? We all know that this place that we belong as citizens in heaven. We long for a Savior to return to this earth and finish the kingdom in which he started. 
where he will return someday and there will be no more curse, no more pain, no more death. That's, this is the key. What should we expect along this journey? Week after week, when we come to this dwelling place and we celebrate God's kindness, what do we expect as we wait for Jesus to return? Knowing that if he does not return soon, we all will face our deaths and meet him in heaven. The answer is found in the middle of these verses. And I think it's beautiful and I think it's difficult. It's a combination of struggle and strength. First, look at verse 6 and see the struggle for the travelers of faith. The psalmist, mentioned, the psalmist mentions that these folks who are on a journey will pass through, quote, the valley of Baca. What on earth is the valley of Baca? Well, very little is known about this place except for one thing. We know that it was an area outside of Jerusalem. And on the traveler's path to the dwelling place of God, they had to go through there. The Valley of Baca is also known as the Valley of Weeping. It was known to be a place of dryness. Truly, it was a sad place. It was a difficult, hard place where no one wanted to be, yet it was part of the journey to get to the ultimate destination. Matthew Henry said about the Valley of Baca, this is a place where a traveler just wanted to give up and die. Because of his thirst. I think this represents the places along our journey. The places where we don't want to be. Where we would love to take a detour around. But yet in the Lord's sovereignty he allows us where we must go through them. There are some paths we must take because in some way God has designed our steps where we must travel a path we do not want to go. As a fellow traveler this morning, let me ask you, what is your valley of Baca this morning? Where is your valley of Baca? Who is your valley of Baca? How many valleys are you in? Do you feel the tension of this passage? How lovely are your dwelling places on one hand? but then this horrible valley on the other. We don't want to think verses 5 through 7 should fit into the psalm, but they do. There's no way to get to the dwelling place apart from going through these valleys. As a Christian who longs for the courts of the Lord, a path you wish you did not have to walk is often where we find ourselves. Let's be honest this morning, Scripture does not reveal that the Lord prevents these seasons of our life. We wish He did, but He does not. Consider even the Apostle Paul, who wrote this beautiful letter from Philippians that we've been studying. He wrote that from a jail in prison. See, we can be assured on our path, we will suffer. These valleys are not mistakes. Rather, God allows for them. All right, that's the fact, but that's not the twist. The heartbeat of the psalm is what people do inside of these valleys, and it's not easy. This is amazing, and this is miraculous. Look at verse 6. What happens inside these dark, dry, terrible places? Do you see it? Do you see what happens to those who are suffering? 
the blessed people of God somehow turned those valleys, those dry valleys, into places of springs. They do what cannot be done apart from them. They turn these dark, horrible places into places of blessing. This sounds impossible to me and I think to us. What's the normal pattern for us all? We go from strength to tiredness to weak to quit. That's the normal pattern of our lives. We are prone to go into the valley and complain forever and just stay there. And yet the call of the Christian is just the opposite. And this is huge, I think, for our culture and for our day. The person who longs to be in the house of God is also the same one who goes from, quote, strength to strength. That's what we do. Now, I don't know about you, but that seems completely impossible. But it's not because in Christ we really do look at these valleys differently than the rest of the world. In preparing for Sandra Marlowe's funeral for tomorrow, I've been over at the Marlowe house a couple times this week and sat and talked with them. And, and it really is a combination of horrendous sadness and outrageous joy at the same time. And if you know the Marlowe's, you can imagine they are sitting around telling stories and laughing and, and enjoying the time and at the same point don't want to be there at all. You, you can imagine But one of their adult children said this about Sandra. And I found it fascinating. I I could not help but to think of this as I studied this passage. He said this about her. She said, Mom made everything she did better. Everything. Every trip she was on was better than if she wasn't there. Every relationship, even the people and the events of the journey of ALS, where she knew this story would ultimately lead. She impacted the lives of others along this horrible journey. Even in this valley, she brought light into darkness. She brought joy into hard places. In some way, the valley did not define Sandra. Jesus defined her. And in that, she could bring joy and experience joy. Again, the question has to be asked, how did she do that? How did she not just give up and quit and say, this path, this valley, it's too much? For that matter, how do any of us not do that? How do any of us go through places we don't want to go and experience joy? When we have our lives interrupted, when we have our hearts broken, how do we experience joy then when it seems impossible? Seriously, who is up to the task? While we see, this is what a Christian does. This is the mark. Uh, We've seen the place where our joy is found. We've seen the pathway, this twist. But lastly, consider the power. Consider how we actually can do this as followers of Christ. Look back at verses 8 through 12. And I'm going to read these verses again. Notice this, verse 8. Psalm 84, hear these words. O Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob. Behold our shield, O God. Look on the face of your anointed. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wickedness. 
For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts in you. The power of joy is found in this. Notice all of Psalm 84 has been a prayer. It's been a prayer in which the psalmist is crying out to the Lord and offering his praise. But in verse 8, though, he makes a request. And he pleads, because of the anointed, let God hear his voice. And then in verse 9, he essentially prays something like this. Oh God, whether I am in this valley or whether I have arrived safely in the dwelling place of God, my heart's desire is you, to be with you, to experience you. Compared to anywhere else on earth, I want you. There's nowhere on earth which compares to being with you. The cry is, let me be with you. But notice the word anointed. The psalmist was a special person because the Spirit of God was upon him. Church, that is who we are in Christ. One commentator said this about Psalm 84, and I think it's great. He said, this is the janitor's prayer. Meaning, I just want to be in the house. I don't care what I do. I'll be the doorkeeper. Whatever it takes, get me where the Lord is. Just one day, one day in your presence is better than countless days anywhere else. Do you see the power? Do you see how we transform the valleys in which we must walk? It lies in the heart of every single prayer to our Lord. It's one thing. And in Christ, we all possess it. You possess it, I possess it. And no one can take it from us. It's this. It's that the psalmist had hope. It's the psalmist cried out to the God in the Lord's favor that God would remember his promise. The power while we are in whatever valley we face today is the hope that we have in that God will remember us. That he loves us, that he died for us. Jesus will keep all of his promises. Our hope is that he will not leave us. Our hope is that he has adopted us. Our hope is that he has prepared a place for us. Our hope is that he will return for us. Verse 12, the blessed person, the people of joy, trust that our God will deliver us. The power is our hope that God will do what God says he's going to do, and we can trust him. In June of 1940, it was announced in World War II that the French people, to the French people, that France had fallen to the Nazis. As you can imagine, despair took place all over France. Disappointment set in, and disbelief was experienced not only there, but all over the world. How could this have happened? There was one young leader, though, named Charles de Gaulle. He was a military officer. But no one outside of the military was familiar with his name. But he began doing something. From London, he began to broadcast that, quote, not all of France had fallen. In fact, there's still hope. Don't give up. And his voice became the voice of a resistance movement which continued throughout the war. There's just one problem. In 1940, nobody knew who he was. They just heard his voice. One resistor said this, how bizarre. 
we are fired up with passion. We are fired up with passion, and we don't even know who this guy is. The gall became the focus of everyone's attention simply because he offered hope. He offered a voice of hope. It was much later that he became the prime minister, but in 1940, he was just an officer with hope. Do you see this morning whom your hope lies? You see, your heavenly Father knows you and you know him. If you are in Christ, you can hear these words and you can trust that he is with you and he will not leave you. Whatever valley you are in this morning, whatever health crisis, whatever morning of loss, whatever disappointment, your power comes from the voice of the one that you know and he knows you. Hope is power when your hope is in him. You see, your heavenly father will not abandon you. Church, he cannot. How do we know that? Let's prepare to come to the table with this one thought. There was a valley of Baca that our Lord had to travel. There was a path that he did not want to take. Yet our Savior gladly walked that path for us. Our Savior gladly went to a cross. And it was a sad, difficult, miserable place. And our Jesus suffered for us. He rose for us. So that when our hope is in him. Our hope is in Christ, and it cannot be shaken. Our power comes in His name. Our power comes from what He has done. Our hope is alive. This is our life. This is our joy. Our joy comes from Him. Yes, He will take us through pathways, but He will not leave us. We trust Him. We live in His place. We go through these ways. Because he is with us. When I was a child, I remember uh, the local church that I grew up in, a small town in East Tennessee. And every Sunday morning, this particular pastor would begin every service with the same refrain. He said this. He said, I would rather be at church this morning than the finest hospital in Tennessee. We would all kind of laugh. Then he would say, I would rather be in church this morning than the cleanest prison in Tennessee. We would all kind of laugh. And he made the case that being in church was better than going to prison or in the hospital. Trying to convince us that we had made a good decision to come to church that morning. I always kind of liked that and always kind of thought it was funny. Until I was studying Psalm 84 this morning, I realized that's the complete opposite of everything that we believe. You see, being here this morning, this is the best place on earth. Not this church, but being in the presence of God. This is where he meets with us. This is where we are reminded that he is with us. May we truly believe today how lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord. Amen? Amen. Let's pray, and I'll transition us to the Lord's Prayer, and then we will come and feast this morning with the Lord at his table. Father, as we think of these words, we think of this passage, we're grateful for your church throughout the world. We're grateful you've given us a city with church after church after church which proclaims your name. We're grateful for TCPC and your faithfulness to us here. Father, I pray that you would renew our hearts this morning. I pray that you would bless your church throughout our city. Father, show us again 
the joy of being your people. And now we pray, Father, as you taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.